Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock So, Hammer, we now have uh, multiple people arrested. Uh... We're talking about the street takeover events that happened over the weekend and a bunch of uh, stolen handguns recovered as well. This happened, uh, well, one of the street takeovers happened on MLK Street um, uh, downtown here and that involved horses. People uh, stopping traffic, just kind of meandering at night, wandering in and out of traffic on their horse. Did you say this was like somewhere deep in Johnson County (laughs) or Hendricks County? this This was downtown. Oh, this was on MLK. This was on MLK. Where'd the horses come from? I'm still perplexed by that. <laughs> Doesn't seem like that would be a wild horse area. It's 27th and MLK Street. So, 14 people have been arrested and five stolen handguns have been confiscated because of these multiple street takeovers. Now, Nigel, I know you're a Seinfeld, Seinfeld fan. Remember the episode where Jerry was talking to the person that was supposed to hold his reservation? They (laughs) took the reservation, but they didn't hold Hold the the reservation. reservation. That's how I feel about these arrests. (laughs) 14 people have been arrested, but will they stay behind bars? Because what's the over-under on all 14 of these individuals being back out on the streets probably before the end of this week? Well, not only that, I mean, the assistant chief of police, Chief Bailey, talking about um, uh, how they arrested one individual and he was back out Saturday night. <laughs> right. It's just like, hey, look, we need, this was the assistant chief of police saying we need help with the prosecutors and the judges and uh, the, the criminal justice system is flawed. It's not us saying it. We've been saying it for years. Right. This is the, you know, this is Chief Bailey saying the same thing on Twitter yesterday. So, yeah, you're right. I, they'll, they'll all be back out. Now, they'll have home detention bracelets on, so when they go riding their horses down MLK, we'll be able to <laughs> see the gallop as they follow these folks that have been let back out on the streets time and time again. The last time you've been on a horse. <laughs> screw you and the horse you rode in on. I don't know if I've ever been on a horse. No? Maybe as a little bitty kid. I think my mom has a picture of me on a horse somewhere, and that's it. We, uh, Yeah, when I was a kid, we had a Shetland pony. You know what those are? Those are smaller horses. They're not like the really tiny small horses you see like in circuses and stuff they were shetland ponies like you know kids are usually right that thing jetted i mean it got spooked and i fell right off that thing slammed my head <laughs> and then i mean honestly the last time probably 18 years old when we we took like a family trip to uh i think jackson hole wyoming and we had a guide that led us up into the mountains or maybe it was colorado or something like that and we camped out in the mountains of uh, colorado for a while did you have a, like a time, big white cowboy hat like Dion sanders <laughs> No, now? I did not. Because that would have been no. awesome. That's what we need to get Guy Relford to wear during a night with WIBC. Like the cowboy outfit and the big yeah. Deion Sanders white hat and the shades and the gold chain. But in terms of the street takeover in the incidents, the, the horses really boggle my mind. 
They re- that's 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 confusing to me. I don't know w- what the angle is there. The horses seemed pretty calm by uh, uh, with all of the the traffic and the honking and the pedestrians. But I'm I'm just that's that's interesting to me. I've got some interesting updates from the Delphi murders. So in a series of new court filings, the prosecutor in Carroll County. Nicholas McLean. He is defending an October 2022 search warrant served by investigators at the home of the suspect, Richard Allen. Now, this search warrant has been controversial from the beginning because there's a lot of people who feel like there wasn't enough juice, enough evidence to warrant a search inside of Richard Allen's home. But the prosecutor is saying there was more than enough evidence and this absolutely needs to be something we have to move forward in this case. Yeah, they don't think the spent shell casing found next to the bodies that was traced back to a gun that Richard Allen owned that, that, that doesn't warrant at least a knock on the door? <laughs> I mean, you I mean, look at on. what the defense is doing right now. They're throwing everything against the wall, and they're hoping that it sticks. I think I was gone last week when they did the whole, the, there's some sort of cult that was involved in the in the deaths of the girls. Yeah. The term used was ritualistic sacrifice. Yeah. And I mean, come on. there's a lot going on there. And what's wild is that our social media feed... We've got people writing us saying it's not that far fret, far-fetched. If you do a little research on this stuff, these types of things happen, which, man, I don't know if I can go down that rabbit hole. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but does this exonerate Richard Allen in any way? No. I don't think it does. Now, as for cameras in the courtrooms, the state... They've got concerns about this. Now, keep in mind, the judge that's going to be overseeing all this in the past has been very pro-camera in the courtroom, has made various statements in the past about that. She was a part of getting the law passed that allowed cameras in, in courtrooms in the state. The state, according to some documents filed this week, have concerns about allowing these proceedings to be broadcast because they're concerned that the defense is going to be so over the top and so ridiculous, the exact term used in the document, extrajudicial grandstanding. So basically, the defense of Richard Allen, the prosecution feels like they're going to turn this whole thing into a circus. Uh, You know, I'll defer to the prosecution, whatever the prosecution thinks. I I, I know we talked to the Murder Sheet people, uh, the podcast, who's been covering this since since day one, and I I don't think the prosecution has really spoken out about it until now. I'll defer to the prosecution. Whatever helps their case, if it's it's doing away with camera in the courtroom or if they want cameras in the courtroom, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll let them decide which best. I want to see it. I want the cameras in the courtroom. Because if the truth is on your side, I think the jury, I have faith in the jury, will get this right. But I don't want to be relying, as good as some court reporters are, the murder sheet folks and, you know, Richard Essex of Wish TV, really good at covering this. I want to see this thing from my own eyes. I want to make my own opinion based on the evidence here. But these are some of the claims in the filing made by some folks of the state who have concerns. The statements 
that the defense made are not true, and they could be made to just be showboats in the national media. That's one argument. Another one is that cameras could be distracting to the proceedings and broadcasting, quote, will allow the defense team to grandstand on camera about the bad motives of the state actors. Here's another bit of information that came out in these filings. That broadcasting evidence to the public could allow potential members of the public seeing gruesome images of the deaths of Abby and Libby. I certainly don't want to see that. And nobody wants that family to have to relive the nightmares of what took place a number of years ago. And this one's my favorite. Again, we're not making this up. This was stuff filed in a court this past week that AI could be used to create deep fakes that can alter what is actually happening in the court. Isn't that what we're all worried about right now? Like, I never know what I see on Twitter is real and what's deep fake. Right. They got really good at that kind of thing. When we saw Donald Trump signing that autograph on that lovely young lady's shirt around her breast area, originally we thought that was AI. But then we realized, nah, that's something Donald (laughs) Trump would totally do. And it was real. Um, So that's what's going on in the Delphi murders. Long story short, put your big boy pants on, because this thing is far, far from getting started. And it's already a zoo. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Do you suppose we'll meet any wild animals? Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. The dingo ate your baby. And now, Hammer and Nigel proudly presents... Damn, nature, you're scary. Lions. And tigers. And bears. Oh, my. So, Nigel, at this point, I think most people know you have multiple fears. You do not want to be mauled to death by a bear. You do not not want to be grabbed by a shark and taken to the bottom of the ocean. Or uh, what happened in Germany where a, a giant uh, 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 lion was on the loose at a town in Germany, just yes. like wandering through the neighborhoods. Those things That's, freak that you out. Kinda, like, I could imagine turning the corner on my street and seeing a big uh, lioness charging me. However irrational that fear is, I get it. That's something I'm scared of. So when you go to Florida, is there any fear at all about alligators? Because I'm gonna no, because I like I go to like Saint like I go to Pinellas County like like we get like Saint Petersburg area, um, um, you know Madeira Beach area. I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's really. Oh, there are alligators in Pinellas County. This is the headline I'm going to read from you, for you. Alligator killed by Florida authorities after a human body was found in its jaws. Uh, Damn alligator bit my hand off. <laughs> oh, my God. And you're telling me this is in Pinellas County? Yes. Wonderful. wonderful. The sheriff's office <laughs> said authorities so responded awful. to a report of a human body in a waterway in unincorporated Largo, Florida, around 1.50 p.m., Last Friday. Yeah, I mean, my great grandma lived in Largo. Yeah, I know where that's at. Exactly. The authorities say they then witnessed a gator pop its head up from the water with his jaws wrapped around a torso. <sighs> Stop. Wildlife officials ultimately shot the gator and removed the torso. But after they brought the gator on land, they stretched it out and 
and it measured 13 feet long. <laughs> Damn, nature, you scary. Oh, that's a terrifying. 13-foot gator is a big, scary mamma jamma, man. In Be- Pinellas County, no less. Where I mean, there's a lot of tourist activity in that county. Yes. There's also torsos and gators, Thank so be you. careful. All right. So this isn't quite damn nature, you scary. This is damn nature, you stink. <laughs> Cleaning is underway for a St. Louis supermarket that had rotting fish stored inside for multiple months. Oh. Seafood City Supermarket. Oh had been out of operation since March after St. Louis health officials shut down the supermarket after they had realized they violated multiple health codes. So the owner of the supermarket was like, blank me, blank you. You want to close me down? I'm just going to get out of here. I'm going to lock the door. I'm leaving all the fish inside. Oh, no. That's the smell. Could you imagine? So during a hot summer in St. Louis, (laughs) this former Seafood City supermarket was just left there, and the stink was so bad that they had to bring in people in hazmat suits. An official with Bio One, the cleaning company in charge of cleaning out the supermarket, told KMOX in St. Louis it was one of the worst cleanup scenes that they've ever been to. Here's a reporter that was on the scene. We cannot go inside the building legally because they have to have a hazmat suit. But uh, the workers here are telling me there are so many flies that a horror movie would uh, actually be put to shame by what can be seen just beyond that door right there. That's the deep freeze area where there are mountains of maggots and flies and rotting fish meat. Oh, man. Uh oh, here goes Nige. Mm, mm, mm. No, it's not happening this time. What was it? The maggots that did it? The yeah, maggots the rotting, around the, the rotting, rotting fish where you see the eyes <laughs> and the mouth and all the gross scales and all that kind of stuff. Oh, get him a trash can. Over here. Over here. There. Get it. Get it. <laughs> oh, no. Now imagine the smell wafting through the streets of St. Louis Stop. on a hot summer day. <laughs> Allison, how many is this for you now? How many times since you took over for TK Dub have you witnessed a okay. Nigel vomit? I think this is three or four. <laughs> I've been here since it's February. A dry- oh, it's a dry one. <laughs> the reporter had to have a hazmat suit on, Nigel. A hazmat suit. <laughs> Don't. And, dude. And all the flies were so overwhelming, it looked like a horror scene about what's happening just a couple hours away on I-70 in St. Louis. It might waft over here, Nigel. It might waft. I don't know. (laughs) Nigel just ran out of the studio. Oh, this is so easy. I would say this is fish in a barrel, but saying that analogy right now might make things worse. If you're watching on the YouTube stream, <laughs> you might be able to see Nigel's butt cheeks pressed against the studio window's glass as he ran out of studio to vomit one more time. It's dry heaves. Oh, that's worse for all of us. Yeah, it was kind of dry. <laughs> what happened to those fish, too? Ew. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel so show. 
You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest on the WIBC hotline. This dude's one of my favorites. He's one of the good guys. He's the best. Marty Smith, probably best known with his work at ESPN. Um, I grew up watching Marty cover racing, and now he's such a big deal. He covers everything, yeah, and he's got a all. book out right now. Does Marty, it all. Marty, what's up, man? Well, I'll tell you, you guys, I need a publicist. I'm calling you two. I appreciate that introduction. How you guys doing? Man, we're doing great here. And um, I want to get into your book here in just a moment because there's some big names that are involved in your book. But I think a lot of people still think racing when they hear your voice, when they see your face on television. I want to get your thoughts on the Indy 500, because around here, Marty, we kind of understand that NASCAR may be the bigger series, but we take so much pride in the Indy 500, that world's largest one-day sporting event. Take me through your thoughts when you come here in May. It's one of the all-time great experiences, not just in sport, but but in entertainment, they do such a phenomenal job of embracing what the event is historically, of embracing what it is culturally there in Indianapolis. And it's such a patriotic, it's grounded within that patriotism on Memorial Day weekend. There's, there's truly nothing like it. And I had a really cool experience. I've had many cool experiences at the Indy 500 but last year was funny I was standing there during the pre-race experience near Jimmy Johnson's car of course he ran the race in 2022 yeah 2022 and um, and I'm standing near Jimmy's car just observing and Jonathan Gibson came over I'm sure you guys know Jonathan he works directly for Roger Penske the track owner and uh, JG came over and he's like just follow me don't say it. just come, come with me and I'm like alright so I'm walking down the grid through all the cars. There's just a sea of people, thousands of people everywhere, beautiful colors. Everybody's dressed to the nines. And all of a sudden, there's this tall, slender gentleman standing in front of me along with Mr. Penske. So I shake Mr. Penske's hand. I love seeing him. I mean, he's he has a force field around him because he's Roger Penske. He's an amazing human being. Mm-hmm. And I start talking to this guy, and – He's going on and on about the experience and the, the pageantry and the American institution that is the Indianapolis, the Indianapolis 500. It was Fred Ridley, the chairman of Augusta National. <laughs> wow. And that tells you all you wow. need to know, boys, about yeah. where the Indianapolis 500 ranks. And, of course, you've covered Augusta as well. So you've, Every you've done it all. What, what, to me, like, Marty, I've followed your career for, for a couple of decades now. And you got the new book out, Sideline CEO. Um, I just think it just came out today. But was racing your initial focus when you uh, ventured out in your broadcast career? It was. So So kind of my journey was I studied print journalism in college. And when I graduated, I worked at newspapers for a little bit. And then I got hired by NASCAR itself, by the corporate entity, to, uh, to write for NASCAR.com, their website. Then the website got purchased or the rights to it by Turner Sports in Atlanta. I went to work for Turner. I worked for Turner from 01 until the summer of 06 and that is when i got a cold call with an 860 number that was espn asking me if i would consider coming to work for them 
uh, to start making television. I'd never done TV before that. And so, yes, I covered NASCAR basically full-time from the summer of 1998, yes, I'm old, to uh, the, the November of 2014 when ESPN lost the broadcast rights, and then they immediately injected me into college football with the Ohio State Buckeyes that won the national championship that year in the inaugural college football playoff. Yeah, that's a that's a sad name to bring up right now around these parts, Marty. When you're talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes, <laughs> there's a little ill will between a lot of folks listening to this program right now. I bet. So great football game, man. It was awesome, man. Um, the book is really cool. Sideline CEO leadership principles from championship coaches. Now you had a chance to get some leadership lessons or advice from Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Tom Izzo. I would say that's a pretty solid group of red asses right there, right? Fiery coaches, you know, like guys whose faces sometimes turn a little red on television. How were you able to get these dudes to be part of this process? They all just walk around with the red ass. Uh, I've just been around them a lot. And I I I will preface kind of discussing the book quickly with, my opportunities at ESPN have afforded me time with these individuals. And, and, and it's time that a lot of people don't get. All right. So, so that's such a blessing. And then when I decided I wanted to do this project, 20 people who are championship caliber CEO coaches, all of them gave me that. They gave me a lot of time that they don't have. So I'm so grateful for that. To start, I mean, it's it really is a who's who, fellas. It's Saban, it's Dabo Sweeney, Mac Brown, Roy Williams, John Calipari, Izzo, Gok Rivers, Patty Gasso just won her seventh national title at Oklahoma in softball. Kim Mulkey just won her fourth at LSU in women's basketball. I mean, it's a who's who. Now, who is this book designed for, Marty? Is this like business CEO types that want to be better leaders, or who is this book for? That's an interesting question, and and I think it really is a bit of a universal thread. Now, if you are Nick Saban or you are Doc Rivers, you've probably heard a lot of these things, but even guys like that can glean a lot of instruction and a lot of vulnerability from Chapter 6, which is the crisis management chapter, which has elite storytelling in it, if I do say so myself. I mean, it's it's Mac Brown sharing with me that he was called by the Texas State Police when they happened upon a vehicle accident, single car, single individual, and that individual had on a Texas national championship ring. It was when Cole Pittman mm. uh, passed away in the truck crash. They called Coach Brown to identify the body. It's, it's Doc Rivers sharing with me what it was like to be the coach and GM as an African-American man of the L.A. Clippers when the team owner said those racist remarks when Donald Sterling had that controversy. And he has to walk into practice. And all that comes with that, uh, it's, it's really vulnerable storytelling. And so I don't care who you are. I don't care what your line of work is. I don't care. Like, I've taken a lot of this tutelage. 
and injected it not just into my personal life, but into my life as a father and a husband. Uh, because so many trust is vital in any relationship. It's a foundation principle. Shutting your mouth and opening your ears and being a quality listener is applicable to our entire lives. There's so much in it that is applicable in a universal way. And, and you know, Marty, you, you just touched on it a little bit there with, you know, managing crisis and adversity. I think the one commonality everybody you interviewed has is they've all failed. They've all fallen on their asses. Uh, more than once, but they knew how to pick themselves right back up. And I think that's a lesson anybody like a normal guy like me needs to learn. Like, yeah, sometimes we have good and bad ratings periods here. And I, like, you know, the, I mean, how the Denver Broncos <laughs> let Miami put 70 points up on them over the weekend. And I, you know, I just, I, sometimes I'd look at that and I'm like, boy, how do you come back from that uh, mentally on a moral uh, basis? And what comes with that? Right. If you think about it, what comes with those setbacks? You're so right, brother. We lose way more than we win in this life. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you repurpose failure as fuel to evolve because it's classic Eckhart Tolle. If you don't evolve, you die. And that's one of the chapters in the book, too. You know, all these coaches talking about I used to do it this way. It's, it's Nick Saban's process. In, in talking to Coach Saban about, Saban about evolution, the process goes all the way back to 1998. He was such an outcome-oriented human being in every single sector of his life. Well, then, it wasn't going too great, so they were getting ready to play number one Ohio State in November of 98 when he was the head coach of Michigan State. And he's like, I am going to focus on every single variable it takes on every single play that this game entails. And they won. They upset him. And he said, this is a better way. And what comes with that better way? It's the joy of winning, not the relief of winning. It's, I know I'm rambling, but I want to share this too. Saban and Dabo both told me kind of the same principle in a different way. Saban's way is be a champion. Swinney's way is best is the standard. And here's what it means. Saban told me, On the goals pyramid at the Alabama football facility, it does not say win an SEC championship. It does not say win a national championship. It says be a champion. Because if you are doing everything, every day, every rep to be a champion, then you might have the opportunity to win a championship. It's an inside-out approach. And it's just so interesting. I'm a nerd about this stuff, fellas. You can tell. I just love, love it. all of that psychological nuance that the great ones do every day and sustain it. So, Marty, we've got about a minute left here. In the book, uh, Sideline CEO, the foreword is written by Tim Tebow. Now, take me through the process of getting him to be able to be the forward writer of this. Do you just pick up the phone and say, hey, Tebs, because in my mind, I think you call him Tebs. <laughs> Tebs, please uh, do me a solid here and write this forward for me. How does that process work? I call him Timmy. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, he is a great friend, and, and we work together a lot. And we've gotten to know each other on a, on a very fundamental personal level. He's been very important in my life and my journey and my self-confidence in truly owning the person that I am because it, I'm an insecure person. I have a terrible insecurity that I like to be liked. And in our business, fellas, y'all know 
that ain't the best personality trait. <laughs> right. And Tim, I, I was having an insecure moment a couple of years ago, and he sat up in the seat and pointed at me, and he said, no one else defines your life. They don't have that right. Only you have that right. And it, it was a wild moment for me because this light bulb just turned off for me. And I will tell you, I've taken that advice and I have passed it on to my children multiple times. And so he's just a great friend. And so, yeah, it's, I, I picked up the phone. He's a very busy man. I mean, he's doing, he's doing life-changing, world-changing speeches on a daily basis with his ministry. And he didn't even hesitate. He's like, I would be so honored. And I love what he wrote. I think it's so cool. So, yeah, that's kind of how it goes down. Hey, bro, can you write a forward for me? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> love it. Uh, the book is Sideline CEO Leadership Principles from Championship Coaches. Again, Saban, Kirby Smart, Izzo, Calipari, a number of others. It's a really fantastic read for anybody. You don't have to be a sports fan to get something out of this book. Marty, we could talk for hours, but I know you're a busy cat as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us here in Indy. Gentlemen, I'm so grateful you gave me the platform. Thank you for your spirit, and uh, y'all have a great day. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. So, Gianno Caldwell, he's a Fox News contributor. Yeah. You may have seen him on television. If you don't know the name, look him up. You'll recognize the face. He's on Fox News quite a bit. His younger brother... Christian Caldwell was shot and killed in Chicago mm. last year. Earlier today, Giano was speaking at a safety, public safety hearing in Chicago. The mayor of Chicago was present. And take a listen to this message that Caldwell gave the leadership of Chicago because I feel like this same speech could be applied here to Indianapolis. No more leniency on murder and shootings. Hold these folks accountable and hold them accountable today. There's so many like Christian in this town, so many good, innocent kids who just want to be afforded a life to live. And oftentimes within the city of Chicago, whether it be due policies, because soft on crime policies come with a, a mentality where criminals just simply take over. And they have no fear or regard for the repercussions of breaking the law. We have to change that immediately. And the way that we change that and the way that we prevent another Christian or my friends, two, two brothers, prevent their deaths is to be tough on crime. Law and order is the only way we're going to change the situation here in the city of Chicago. Well, man, you know, look, Illinois just passed the Safety Act that basically eliminated cash bail in Illinois. <laughs> so it ain't getting better. It's That's for the worst. And I hate that because you hear too. the passion in his I, voice I because yeah. his younger brother was murdered. And the message about treating murderers, uh, holding them accountable, it's not just words. Because what have we talked about the last couple of weeks? We had a story a couple days ago about the Marion County Prosecutor's Office pleading a murder charge down to burglary. There's a family on the south side of Indianapolis that had a loved one murdered, and right now nobody is being charged with murder for her death. Let that sink in for just a moment. So every word that came out of Gianno's mouth right there, I think you can apply that right here to Indianapolis. It's a shame, man. Yeah. Hey, um email address do we have time for a quick email yes a critical email of the show 
Oh. Uh, what is it? Hammer Nigel at WIBC.com? Yes. This is from Juanita. Juanita. Why do you think it's funny to have Nigel throw up on the show? <laughs> it's not funny. It's disgusting. And I turned my radio off. I didn't do it on purpose, Juanita. <laughs> it wasn't planned. It's not a bit. It's not. Uh, he was talking about one of the most disgusting stories I'd ever heard in St. Louis about that fish place that didn't clean up all the dead fish after the guy moved out. And it was horrific. And it just made me, you know, I have a weak gag reflex as it is. It's not like we wrote down. Nigel throws up right here. Right. On the bit. You know, it's, it's not my fault. And because you are a friend of mine, I do what dudes do to their buddies. Oh, you kept going. I try to make it worse. This is how oh. dudes, you know, talk to their friends. If you got a buddy that's drunk in the bar and throwing up, you keep trying to make him do it. I'm not at a bar right now. I'm on a radio show. But I'm going to try to make my friend keep throwing up in the trash can because that's the way friends operate. So, Juanita, Thank back you. off just a little bit. Uh, coming up here in just a few moments, uh, a number of interesting stories that fall into the category of legal stuff. This story from Kansas City, I think we're going to have some people that are good with it, some people that are bad with it. We'll tell you what it is coming up next. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer, right over there. I have a number of interesting stories that fall into the category of legal, legal stuff. Crime. Punishment. Judges. Legal stuff. So that girlfriend of the murder suspect that was uh, mistakenly free from jail due to a, quote, clerical error. And I swore I'd stop calling it a clerical error. It was pure and utter negligence. Um, the girlfriend has now been charged with assisting a criminal. She helped Kevin Mason after he was mistakenly released from the Marion County Community Justice Campus. And he's still on the loose. He's still on the lam. And she helped him. And she's finally been charged. I think they arrested her. A couple of days ago. Right. Charges uh, just now yeah. became finalized. And I think the important part of the story is this suspected murderer still on the loose because of, and I think it's a perfect word you used, negligence from the Marion County Sheriff's Office. The same people who brought you the horrific, disastrous, and fatal situation that cost a deputy his life. Mm just over a month ago, and now this is going on. And they should have let everybody know immediately that this guy had escaped, quote-unquote escaped. It was negligence. It was because of the negligence. Anybody, you get what you pay for there right? in that office. They ain't paying some of those people hardly anything at all. And look at the and leadership. It, I mean, it goes on par with Boss Hawk setting Ryan Mears, Carrie Forrestal. I mean, the apple doesn't fall too the, far from the tree yeah, there. And the, and the excuse, what was the excuse they used? Well, we didn't want him to know what our plan what was. Our plan we want to keep our we plans close to the vest. No, no. They were hoping <laughs> to catch the guy before they told anybody about it. They gambled. They could get him back, and they didn't. They lost, and now there's lots of eggs on lots of faces. I mean, if there's any saving grace, the marshal's office, who has kind of taken this over, which has to be embarrassing for the sheriff's office, has basically came out and said, there's no way he's still in the Indianapolis area. Yeah. He's probably somewhere else. He was from Minnesota. He was wanted on 
a murder charge in Minnesota. He was a suspected murderer. And he got arrested here in Indianapolis for violation of warrant stuff. And next thing you know, he's walking right out the door. I wonder how much... Like, I wonder how that works. Like, did he... I'm sure he knew he was being released by mistake. Did the girlfriend think that? Did he call her up and say, hey, uh, you know, my lawyer got me a deal. Come pick me up. Like, I'm wondering if they just don't seem like the smartest people. I mean, this isn't like I keep on making the comparison to the fugitive Richard Kimball, Harrison Ford. Uh, I'm wondering if she knew what she was doing. She had to have known, right? That, I would you know, imagine during the interrogation process yeah. that the authorities probably got a good feel of whether or not she was playing dumb or was actually dumb. And there's a big difference there. <laughs> uh, I think two things could be true at the same time. Very well could be. Very well could be. And again, Kevin Mason still on the loose. We got some more legal stuff here, and I'm curious where everybody's at with this story, because I feel like this falls into the category of play stupid games, win stupid prizes. So an O'Reilly Auto Parts employee in Kansas City is accused of strangling and killing a shoplifter. So the employee is accused of unlawfully and unintentionally, but recklessly killing a shoplifter at the O'Reilly Auto Parts store in KC. Sounds like he's trying to subdue him, much like the guy in New York City on the subway. So here's what happened. The employee, along with several other employees and folks who were non-employees, confronted this group of shoplifters. There was more than one. And it went outside of the store. And then some sort of fight broke out to where the employee then held down one of the shoplifters and ultimately killed him by strangling him. Well, look, if you're being attacked and you get in a fight and you feel fear for your life, yeah, something like that could happen. Now, I'm not, I'm sure the O'Reilly Auto Parts has some sort of uh, stipulation or rule company protocol that says no you don't change you don't chase shoplifters you let them go just like all the other stores do but i think if this kind of thing happened more and more often then that we'd have we'd cut back on these mass lootings of these stores sounds like there's several people involved here but the employee now is the one facing charges yeah. he's accused of unlawfully and unintentionally but recklessly killing someone i think i hope he gets a slap on the wrist I don't know. Take a listen to this. This is the Casey area district attorney. Did unlawfully and unintentionally, but recklessly, under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to the value of human life, kill a human being. Let there be no mistake. It is law enforcement's job to do the policing. Uh, Based off of the autopsy, it is clear that strangulation was uh, ultimately the cause of death. I cannot say that there there is a racial component uh, besides the reality of the deceased is an African-American and the defendant is 
a white man. And by saying that, you automatically invoke race into the situation, which is something I didn't know about. Yes. So the deceased <laughs> is a young black man. The employee is a white guy. And for whatever it's worth, the Casey area district attorney is a black guy. So those are all the facts. Do with that as you wish. But we've had Guy Relford in here a number of times. Just because yeah. there's a crime taking place, though, does not give you the green light to take the law into your own hands and kill somebody. Now, if the argument is there was a fight taking place and I feared for my life yeah. and that's why I strangled this guy, now I think we've got a ball game. But at the end of the day, and I don't think anybody can dispute this, if you weren't trying to rob the O'Reilly store, you would still be alive today. True. So play stupid games, win stupid prizes. This guy might be going to jail, but if you're somebody shedding tears for this guy that got choked out robbing the store, if he wasn't committing a crime in the first place, he'd still be alive well, today. Look at that crazy lunatic on the subway in New York City. The Marine had to subdue him, ended up accidentally killing him. This was a guy that was getting in people's faces saying, I'm going to kill you. He has a long rap sheet, a huge history of violent uh, acts. And, and now the, the progressive leftist DA is going after the guy that tried to help the public and keep them safe. So where are you guys at with this? Let us know. Facebook, Twitter, and the YouTube chat. This story from Kansas City, the employee of the O'Reilly Auto Parts store sees somebody shoplifting a number of people. They follow them outside. Big fight breaks out, and the employee kills the shoplifter. And it kind of sounds like... The DA wants to make this a racial story, but he said the opposite. Oh, no, no, no. You play the end of it again. If you play the end, he said, well, I can't see there is a ra there's not a racial component to this. Even though the victim is black and the accuser is white. But there's no racial component in it. So again, <laughs> by saying that, you're automatically invoking race. You guys got all the information here. So hit us up on the YouTube chat, Twitter, Facebook, your thoughts on this story from KC. Real quick, Nige, one more legal stuff all note right. for you. Hunter Biden has filed a lawsuit against Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's they're going scorched earth, him and his attorneys. They're suing the computer shop guy. They're suing, uh, I think they're looking at suing the IRS agents with the whistleblowers. They're suing Rudy Giuliani. Basically saying, uh, look, you took all the stuff on my computer and you, um, you put it out there and you violated my privacy. Now, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, I may drink a lot. But I'm pretty sure I've got enough brain cells to remember just a couple of years ago when Hunter Biden wasn't even sure if that was his laptop or not. Was that your laptop? For real, I don't know. I know, but, but you know that's this I is really a, don't know okay. the answer is. You don't know yes or no if the laptop I don't have was any yours. idea. I had no idea. So it could have been yours. Of course, certainly. It, 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 there could be a laptop out there that was stolen from me. There could be that I was hacked. It could be that it was Russian intelligence. It could be that it was stolen from me. Nope, dude. It's all come out. It's all your. That's all your stuff. That's your laptop. There is no Russian disinformation. And the problem now is Hunter is admitting that all that crap and evidence in that computer is his. Emma and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is. 
this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer, hammer, play. Yes, it's anything. I'll run some fun stories by you, like some back page type stories by you, trending stories. You tell me if any of these stories are anything or not. Now, raise your hand if you're already tired of hearing about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Well, all three uh, hands in the studio have gone up. Now, I've got a story about this, but it's not what you think. All right. I want you to stay with me. Okay. So now that Taylor Swift is possibly dating the Chiefs star, Travis Kelsey, the tight end, she's being called upon by Native American activists to help the Kansas City Chiefs abandon doing the tomahawk chop. <laughs> At their home football games at Arrowhead Stadium. You gotta be kidding me. If you don't know what we're talking about, here is the chant. And they do the tomahawk chop motion. With right. Them, right. It's also done at Florida State and Atlanta Braves home games. And I believe Elizabeth Warren does it when she comes out for a speech. <laughs> <laughs> no, this this is that was that was a good one. Uh, no, this is nothing. I think Taylor Swift probably should learn her lesson back from 2021 and stay out of politics altogether. Because if you remember, uh, she basically single handedly got the Republican Tennessee representative Marsha Blackburn elected <laughs> over the Phil Bredesen guy right. when she started mouthing off about uh, you know policies and abortion and stuff like that. I think it was during the midterms in 2021 or something like that, it's around that time. Marsha was trailing that yeah. race until yeah. Taylor <laughs> Swift endorsed Bredesen, and then Marsha <laughs> shot up the charts. And, and so, yeah. And, and by the way, enough with this Native Americans and the the tomahawk chops and, the, you know, there was a prominent Native American group that just shot the Washington Redskins and the NFL. Oh, I'm sorry, the Washington Generals. Commanders. I'm sorry. God, God, I can't. Washington Commanders, a letter saying, please change your name back to the Redskins. You removed a prominent, powerful, stoic image of an American Indian off your field and helmet, and we want that back. There was nothing wrong with that. But, Nigel, woke white people were offended. <laughs> like, look what happens at Florida State football games. They have an actual descendant of the Seminole Indian tribe yeah. right out on a horse and slams a flaming spear into the mid middle of the field yeah. with, like, fire on it. And the Seminole tribe in that area, they love it. They think it's a throwback to their heritage. Sure. Even other stories. Look at the Aunt Jemima situation. Aunt Jemima was removed from all of the pancake syrup. The family of Aunt Jemima wanted it to stay because now their loved one, their heritage has been erased. Yep. But white people, woke white people were offended Uncle by ben. it. Same thing. Same thing. You have prominent uh, African-American faces being removed uh, and images removed from giant corporate entities and their products. Uh, I I mean, 10 years ago, that would have been looked at as racist. The Washington Redskins, as they were back in the day, their helmet featured the profile of a very distinctive Indian. And when you speak to a lot of folks, they love that because it looked like them. Now, it wasn't some sort of cartoon like the Cleveland Indians had uh, for yeah, a number the, of the, years. The, what was that, Chief Wahoo? Yeah. I maybe get that. I understand that. 
that, that was probably a good move. The big cheesy, smiling, yeah. you know, cartoon <laughs> Indian. Yeah. Does the Indianapolis Star still refer to the Indianapolis Indians as just the Indianapolis baseball team? <laughs> Dummies. Is that still a thing with them? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I mean, I'm pretty sure they still refer to them as the Indianapolis baseball team because the Indianapolis Indians who live, who are in Indiana. <laughs> and the capital Another city derivative of, of Indi- Indianapolis, <laughs> which means city of Indians. Hey, guys, we better get all the nerds at the sports department there at the Indy Star. We better, we've got to stop calling them the Indians. Okay, Greg Doyle, we want you to mention the Indianapolis. We just want to say Indianapolis baseball team. That's That's politically correct. Keep saying Indianapolis, but don't say <laughs> Indians. I mean, it, if you don't laugh, you'll cry at some of this stuff. It's so ridiculous. Is this anything? A Massachusetts man is facing multiple charges after being accused of running a dental office in the back of a convenience store. Juan Munez what? was arrested for allegedly performing dentistry inside the back of a convenience store Here is the police chief talking about what the authorities found. I mean, from uh, tooth extrication instruments to implant instruments. Wow. We had a couple of our detectives head over there, <laughs> and there was a pretty significant dental uh, operation going out back. I mean, you're talking about dental surgery. There are a lot of patients that have to be pre-dosed with antibiotics because of heart conditions. I'm sure his intent is not to infect somebody or do a bad job, but unfortunately, the safeguards aren't in place. The regulation's not in place. So it's really a sad situation. I gotta tell you, like, I've had bad toothaches before, and I've had them on holidays when nobody's open. I'd consider it. <laughs> Wait, you're telling me Juan in the back of the 7 Eleven has got a, a dentist chair and some pain medication and some. Uh, and a shot full of penicillin to help my toothache. Yeah, I might, uh, I might, I might consider it. So, at what point during Juan setting up all of this stuff, <laughs> did the manager of the convenience store say, "Excuse me, what are you doing? <laughs> like, how do you not see Juan in the back of the store?" Don't pay, just, just don't pay any attention. Just, just look the other way. Nothing S- to see here. Excuse me, Juan. Can I get that bag of Funyuns <laughs> behind you? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, you know, your root canal that you're working on right now. I'm just going to grab these Funyuns and be on my way. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. All right, campaign 2024, baby. Trump was uh, campaigning in South Carolina yesterday. Part of this after uh, a ton of different polls from NBC to Washington Post showing Biden's numbers absolutely cratering. Now, a big topic was dead whales from windmills. I'm sorry, what? Dead whales from windmills. He was talking about Joe Biden, how their administration wants people to limit their time out on boats to save marine life. But yet he wants to put these giant windmills out there. And Trump shifted the conversation to these giant windmills out in the ocean. This is supposedly in the name of preventing whale strikes. But you have a better chance of being struck by lightning than hitting a whale with your boat. There has only been, listen to this, one such whale killed off the coast of South Carolina in the last 50 years. 
But on the other hand, their windmills are causing whales to die in numbers never seen before. Nobody does anything about that. They're washing up and show. I saw it this weekend. Three of them came up. They wouldn't you wouldn't see it once a year. Now they're coming up on a weekly basis. The windmills are driving them crazy. They're driving they're driving the whales, I think a little batty. And they're washing up on shore at levels never seen before, and they want to stop your boats. Now, for those of you wondering, what in the hell is he doing? What are you talking about? I've seen the footage of the whales, the beached whales that are dead. Right. I've seen tons of those. And the speech was in South Carolina, where boat manufacturing is like a big deal. So when you know the Biden administration comes out and says, don't buy a boat, don't go out on the boat, well, the folks in South Carolina are like, dude. Shut up. That hurts our business down here. So Trump talking to the folks in South Carolina, that's the route that he went on. Here's the other hypocritical part about this whole thing, about the windmills causing the deaths of the whales. And, you know, that's that's part of Biden's clean energy initiative and the Biden administration planning to scale back Gulf oil lease sales to protect the whale species while simultaneously killing wells because of the windmills. A judge, by the way, this is something we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. We've been talking about how Biden is is cutting back on the oil leases, canceling a bunch of oil leases, um, but a judge has blocked Biden's plan to back off the Gulf oil lease sales to protect the whale species. So that's that's like a little piece of good news there is that judges uh, are saying, no, you can't just cancel these oil leases. That's that's not what's happening, especially now that we've depleted the oil reserves. Right. Historic lows of the yeah. oil reserve. So you mentioned this just a moment ago, the polling from not just one media outlet, multiple media outlets showing Joe Biden in serious trouble right now. Now, <laughs> NBC, ABC, The Washington Post, CNN, they've all put out polling and none of it's good right now for Joe Biden. I wonder if he's aware that his polling is bad because just over a year ago, I don't know what staffers were telling him his numbers were good because they've never been great. But maybe a year ago, they were a little bit better. Listen to how cocky and Joe Biden was back in, I think this was June of last year. Mr. President, what's your message to Democrats who don't want you to run again? They want me to run. Two-thirds say they Read don't. Read the poll. Read the poll, Jack. You guys are all the same. That poll showed that 92% of Democrats, if I ran, would vote for me. A majority of Democrats say they don't want you to run again in no. 2024. 92% said if I did, they'd vote for me. To your face, maybe, but in real reality, no. <laughs> Nobody wants him to run. So there's two things there, right? Number one, his staff is clearly lying to him. But number two, polls do matter to Joe Biden. So I wonder if he's understanding at this point how bad things are, or is he just so far off into la-la land, it's get on a plane, fall down the stairs, go to sleep. Or maybe he knows something that we don't. Maybe he knows, eh, I don't give a crap because I ain't going to run in 2024. Interesting. Very interesting. Don Jr. was on Newsmax yesterday talking a little bit about the bad polling of his father's rival, Joe Biden. His policies are a disaster for them. 
They're a disaster for working class Americans. They're a disaster for anyone other than Zelensky uh, and the Ukrainian oligarch class that they want to prop up with billions and billions of more U.S. taxpayer dollars. It never ends. We're literally funding their first responders. We can't take care of our own Americans first. They want to fund 57,000 of them over there. We're funding their entrepreneurs in the Ukraine. Uh, what about American entrepreneurs? This is Democrat policy. It's absolutely asinine. And that's why he's falling in the polls. So much so that the Washington Post wasn't happy with the results because they're <laughs> used to trying to create the results that they want, that they want to change the way that they do polling because they weren't happy with the result because the result doesn't fit there and the D.C. establishment desired narrative. The Washington Post angle that they walked back their own poll is really <laughs> telling. Yeah, here's our poll, but we're actually full of crap. I mean, that just destroys your credibility as a news organization. And it shows how biased they really are. The poll showed Biden having his panties kicked in. And, well, they couldn't have that. It must be an outlier because everybody loves Joe Biden, right? Because things are going so well. Uh, In that same interview, Donald Trump Jr. addressing why his old man will not be part of the debate tomorrow. Ron DeSantis basically, by many accounts, polling in the single digits. Uh, Everyone else basically polling in low single digits or mid-single digits. Do you allow those people unfettered access for three hours to crap all over you? It, it makes no sense. I mean, you you could do it, but you'd be stupid. I mean, and it's not that his record couldn't stand because all of the things that they say they're going to do that are resonating with the people are things that Donald Trump has already actually done. There's one thing in politics. We hear a lot of it. Talk. You know, everyone said, oh, yeah, we'll move the embassy. Everyone said we'll bring back manufacturing. Everyone said we're going to fight China. We're going to create peace in the Middle East. I mean, every politician in the history of time has talked about those things. Donald Trump's the only one that actually made that happen. I mean, I have to agree with him, Hammer. I know you and Rob Kendall got into it last Thursday on Off the Rails. Rob thinks it's uh, it's his duty, Trump's duty, to get on stage and debate these other people. But from a political standpoint and strategy, I, I just don't understand why you do it. And same goes for Biden. He's not going to get on a stage with RFK Jr. He'd get destroyed. And he's so far ahead of him. Right. Uh, even though his polls are cratering, I, I don't think more people would vote for RFK than they would Joe Biden no. in the primary. There's more of a chance that Biden just says, you know, pulling a Dennis Miller, I am out of yeah. here, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, writes off the piece of paper, throws it up in the air, spins around in his chair, and here comes Gavin Newsom, or here comes Michelle Obama. Now, the debate tomorrow, I believe we will have here on 93 WIBC. Trump will not be part of it. He's going to be speaking to the striking auto workers in Michigan. We're going to ask Bill O'Reilly when he joins us a little bit later on his oh, thoughts yeah. on should Donald Trump be at this debate or are you cool with him going to a swing state, maybe trying to win some people over? But it's pretty much the same cast of characters in the debate tomorrow that was there before, with the exception of Asia Hutchinson. He didn't qualify, meet the criteria. So you've got seven people involved tomorrow. DeSantis, Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Chris Christie, uh, Tim Scott, and some dude named Doug. Is that the hangover? That would be the hangover. 
Maybe. I thought you had that. I thought that was a legitimate clip from, uh, from Doug. From Doug Burgum. Yeah. Nope. Uh, debate tomorrow. You're going to have Donald Trump speaking in Michigan. A lot of action going on. We'll have it covered for you here at the Hammer and Nigel Show. One quick thing. Trump aside, out of all those that you just mentioned, who would you vote for to run against Biden? I'm going DeSantis. DeSantis. Yeah. DeSantis isn't very charismatic, right? And I think that's the knock. That's why his national campaign has never taken off. But I trust him to do good governing. I think you get him behind a desk with a pen. That's the strength of Ron DeSantis. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous about his views on Ukraine. I like Ramaswamy. I really like his ideas, but it's probably DeSantis that would have the best chance to beat him. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Florida Congressman Matt Gates, who some say is the heir apparent to Ron DeSantis after he either uh, wins the GOP nomination or terms out of the Florida governorship. Matt Gates appearing on CNN, which is always great entertainment. Good theater. Awesome. He, Gates is a flamethrower, part of that. You know, some would say I, I'm not going to use the word wacky, but I like him in the Freedom Caucus, and and he's kind of like part of you know the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Matt Gates, the you know everybody. He's very Trump loyal. Yes. So he was on CNN and quickly corrected their anchor Abby Philip, who who basically embarrassed. You know, she got humiliated by Gates. She said that Gates voted against a defense appropriations bill. Here, let's check it out. Should note that you you did vote against uh, the defense appropriations bill this week. That or no, I didn't. The, the rule. Now you're the, wrong. Ru- no, the rule you're, to admit that, Abby. Abby, this is going to be a very embarrassing moment when the internet uh, corrects you on this. I voted for the defense rule both times. Well, I, I stand corrected. Congressman, appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you so much. <laughs> she Thank just you. ended the interview. <laughs> she took her ball and went home. Oh, <laughs> uh, CNN is just, I, I don't know how long they've been circling the drain, but they just saw, I don't know. Listen to this stat. Over the weekend, CNN just uh, saw just 55,000 viewers from the 25 to 54 demo during the past weekend 55,000 over the entire weekend only 43,000 watched its Sunday primetime shows they've got to be getting beat by like reruns of Bar Rescue at this point right <laughs> I love Bar Rescue I do too I'd much rather watch Bar Rescue alright so I'll see your weekend numbers at CNN okay. and I'll raise you prime time last week so during the crucial 8 to 10 p.m. time slot prime time in television Newsmax was beating CNN. So like Fox News, who, even though they got rid of Tucker, they're still atop of the food chain. MSNBC, they're very close. It's one and two. And then there's a big drop off. And from 8 to 10 p.m., Newsmax had an average of 709,000 viewers, specifically during the eight to nine hour of Eric Bowling's show compared to just 640,000 for Anderson Cooper 360 Ooh. which was airing at the exact same time. And like you know the thing is Anderson Cooper's a name. Love him or hate him, disagree with his politics whatever. That's Anderson Cooper's I, I think a big name. And Eric Bowling is not in the na- in, when, when talking about the name category. If you're just talking about name recognition, I think Anderson Cooper is going to get more recognition. And you're telling me Eric Bowling? Yes. Is, 
is beating Anderson Cooper. 709,000 viewers to 640,000. Wow. There was an episode of Family Guy where a consultant was talking about how bad CNN's ratings are. <laughs> and the joke was, Anderson Cooper 360. It needs to just be Anderson Cooper 180. He's spinning around <laughs> too much. We're just going to call it Anderson Cooper 180. He's going to sit at the camera with his back turned. It probably couldn't be any worse. Uh, Nielsen ratings also revealed that Newsmax brought in 610,000 viewers compared to CNN's 582,000 in the 8 to 10 p.m. slot combined. Oh, boy. So not just for those head-to-head showdowns between Bowling and Cooper, for the two-hour crossover, Newsmax beating CNN at this point. When you have news anchors on live TV try to go up, Abby Phillip was out of her. Can we play that uh, audio again, please? She was just... I mean, Matt Gates is just, I keep using the word flamethrower, but he's just so heads and tails above anything that, that Abby Phillip could compete with him on, right? I mean, go ahead, play that audio again. To note that you, you did vote against uh, the defense appropriations bill this week that or no i the, didn't the rule now you're the, wrong. No, the rule you, to uh, abby abby this is going to be a very embarrassing moment when the internet uh, corrects you on this i voted for the defense rule both times uh, well I, I stand corrected congressman appreciate you joining oh. us tonight thank you so much thank you like i wonder if the producer is in abby's ear going we have eight minutes left in this interview <laughs> <laughs> she just bailed on it Uh, We're done. I mean, if I made that same mistake, well, first of all, who are the producers? Who are the bosses that are putting her on with Matt Gates? Right. And who gave her the information? Yeah. Because I'm willing to bet Abby probably wasn't sitting down crunching what Matt Gates' vote was on every single bill. When you have that job, you just have that information in front of you provided by the people that are producing the show. Got about a minute left here. I thought this story was kind of funny. A water tower in Stewart, Iowa, S-T-U-A-R-T, Stewart, Iowa, had their town misspelled on it as Start, (laughs) S-T-A-R-T. Also, the water tower was built incorrectly and could only be half filled. Here is the town's utility board grilling Jeff Godwin of Snyder and Associates about the tower disasters. Is this an engineering error? It's an error of an elevation number, and all the engineering off of that number was done correctly. But the fact is, we had a bad number in the in our in our system. We hired you to design and implement what the utility customers were paying for and what the board had planned for for several years before. And what I'm hearing is we didn't get what we paid for. I love a good water tower. The one at Speedway by the track. And when you're making a trip down south, Florence, y'all, love it. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! You ever been on a picket line? No. Have you ever have you ever crossed a picket line? Scab! Scab! I went to high school with a guy named Jason Pickett. <laughs> well, Joe Biden was on the picket line with the auto workers today. You know, these picket lines, I mean, they last for days and days and days, right? I mean, it's not just something they like like they go out there for a couple hours and hold up signs and walk around in a circle. These things last for days and weeks. It looks like this auto union worker strike has no no end in sight. But Biden when he, I, I mentioned this last week because Biden had been invited by the auto workers unions to come picket with them last week and he was radio silence on that whole thing but he ended up going down there he did 
for 12 minutes. <laughs> That's what I was saying. There's no way. Those guys walk for miles in circles for hours on end. Holding up signs. Yeah. None of those things Joe Biden can do right now at his age and his physical acumen. That's not happening. None of it. So, Biden was there with the auto workers today. Like, he listened to a little bit of a speech, gave someone a hug, <laughs> stood there with his mouth open. Sniff any hair? <laughs> and it was like 12 minutes. And then afterwards, he got back on Air Force One <laughs> using the short stairs, which we'll get to here in just a moment, okay. and headed to California for some ritzy fundraiser with his Hollywood liberal pals. Mm, yeah. Nothing says like average Joe six pack. Nothing says like, you know, identifying with the uh, the auto workers than headed straight to Hollywood after the picket lines, the hobnob in Beverly Hills. Twelve minutes. <laughs> That's how long the appearance was out there on the picket line. Now, when he arrived in Michigan, he almost slipped down the short stairs of Air Force One again. No. I put this on Twitter earlier at Hammer and Nigel. He caught it. He caught himself. He almost lost it. But there's a little moment of some jelly leg, and he slides a little bit. And I don't know what happened to the president. He just the jelly leg came over him. He had a case of the jelly leg. President Biden was out there doing the stanky leg. Now, mind you, these stairs are already shorter than the big stairs. Mm-hmm. They brought these in because right. they don't trust the old dude not to be like a slinky they, and just fall they, down. Whoever they is, they switched out the stairs on Air Force. One to, to make them more what climbable, yes. And he still almost <laughs> bit the dust today. But even before he left back in Washington, D.C., before he got on Air Force One to go to Michigan, take a listen to this. Now, it's kind of off mic, so you're gonna have to listen closely, but you'll be able to hear it. A reporter asked Joe Biden, what's your message to the car companies before you head to Detroit? And his answer, with a very confused look on his face, was, try to stay under the speed limit. Everybody's just kind of looking around. What does that mean? Is he joking? Is he senile? Is it all of the above? (laughs) So ridiculous. And oh, by the way, one more thing on Biden's 12 minutes of fame on the picket line today. The same guy and the same political party who constantly call out the use of carbon emissions and the average everyday blue-collar American, did you see that motorcade going into that uh, plant that they went oh, to yeah. in Detroit? What kind of carbon foot- footprint did that leave? <laughs> I was told that climate change was the, quote, greatest existential threat. And he comes in here with a motorcade about 30 cars <laughs> deep, stays 12 minutes, and gets back on Air Force One and flies across the country. And guess what? None of those things plug in, right? They don't have, they don't use electricity. They want us to buy, you know, the seventy thousand dollar Teslas or the right. EVs, but that's certainly not for the president. Not for anybody involved in the government, really. Uh, in the upper echelons of the Biden administration. And if you want to make the argument, well, the president needs to be in this vehicle because it's protected. Okay, fine. Maybe three or four cars. You don't know which car Biden's in, but they're all protected. What about the other 20 folks that are involved in 
that motorcade. <laughs> what about those folks? You know, the other thing with just electric vehicles, and I, I don't mind electric vehicles. I think Teslas are pretty damn cool. But I, I, like, I would buy one just to have it to and from work if I had the funds, right? And that would cut way down on my gas bill. I got a gas guzzling truck. I got a Chevy from 12 years ago. You're like Kemp. You got a big truck. I got a big truck. <laughs> Governor of Georgia. Uh, but but like, I would not trust. I'm sorry. I would not trust an all electric vehicle for like a road trip from here to Chicago, much less here to Florida or something like that. No, I need some. I need some fuel. I need some gas. Imagine that thing running out of juice, and you're in the Greater Gary area. Well, or yeah, exactly, or somewhere where it takes three hours for a recharge. Yeah, that's a problem. Did you see? Speaking of problems, these drug numbers from Border Patrol. This is staggering. So, Border Patrol reports seizing 2,700 pounds of fentanyl between ports of entry this fiscal year so far. So, the fiscal year closes uh, in just a couple days, September 30th. And the numbers that the United States Border Patrol have put out, listen to this. 69,000 pounds of narcotics, including 40,000 pounds of weed, 13,000 pounds of meth, 11,000 pounds of cocaine. And Americans love them some coke, don't they? And 2,700 pounds of of fentanyl. It's funny. I thought because of all the legalization of uh, marijuana across the United States, I thought that was supposed to. I thought those numbers were supposed to drop. Hmm. Funny how that works. Twenty-seven hundred pounds of fentanyl. If you really break it down, from what you know, the drug folks tell us, that's enough to easily wipe out the entire population of the United States. That's an incredible oh, yeah. amount right there. And Elon Musk has announced that he's going to be visiting Eagle Pass, Texas, and he's going to have a conversation with Texas Congressman Representative Tony Gonzalez. So, I think they're going to do this on one of those Twitter spaces, X spaces, whatever you want to call it. Shouldn't that be something Kamala Harris is doing? You mean the borders are? (laughs) I mean, I know she's too preoccupied with her new office of gun violence, or whatever it's called, up in D.C., but it just seems like something... An administration official, somebody with a little bit of power should be doing instead of Elon Musk. What's Elon Musk going to do? He's doing more than the borders are. Hell, at least he's going down there to bring some attention. When was the last time Kamala took her fat ass down to the border? When was the last time you saw her down in Eagle Pass? I mean, this is so out of control. You just heard those drug numbers. You've heard the war stories of the last couple of weeks. Children drowning in the Rio Grande. A major humanitarian crisis. People are starving. There's nowhere to stay. The hotels, the facilities... They're all at max. And Elon Musk, a business guy, is going down there doing more than elected officials, at least bringing attention to it. Something more than Kamala has done from the very beginning. Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty fing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah! This is interesting. Now scientists say global warming is causing rising drug and alcohol abuse. Because, Hammer, 
sunnier days encouraging day drinking. <laughs> That's the excuse. Global warming causing a rise in drug and alcohol abuse because sunny days encourage day drinking. Are you okay with this? No, I'm not okay with this. This is the most ridiculous thing. And this isn't something that, you know, your grandfather told you or your lunatic uncle or something. Scientists. These are people who have degrees hanging on the wall and they're telling you that because it's sunny outside, you're so helpless and powerless to the sun. And these warm, happy feelings are forcing that Miller Lite down your mouth. There's nothing you can do about it. This is so over the top. Just another reason why we need to transition to all electric. Get rid of fossil fuels, Hammer. It's causing drug and alcohol abuse. The coal mines are causing alcohol abuse. We are probably just a few weeks away from some, quote, scientist coming out with a story, global warming is causing my wife to cheat on me. <laughs> like, this is where we're going. We're blaming everything on global warming. If I want to have a beer during an afternoon ball game at Victory Field, it's not because the sun's out. And, and I think this is why people are so cynical as a whole towards science and scientists, over, it, really culminating with the COVID thing. Right. But, I mean, this kind of crap right here is why people are so, uh, when talking about climate change, just roll their eyes and say, yeah, okay, whatever. This climate change thing has jumped the shark. And I wonder what scientists that do good work think about this oh, kind of crap, right? Because like, good police officers hate bad police officers, because it gives the rest of the group a bad name, right? I would imagine, if you're somebody in a lab, and you're working on ways to you know, make children healthier, or ways to fight various infections and diseases... Cure cancer. Cure cancer, and you see that your colleagues say that the sun is causing you to go out and pound more <laughs> shots of to Tequila. It's so ridiculous. Well, I, I guess, you know what? I'm just going to have to uh, get solar panels for my roof and buy a Tesla, and that'll solve my alcoholism. <laughs> Next time you get yelled at by Mrs. Nige for having too many beers during the Colts game, you can just look at her and go, it's science. I can't help myself. The sun was out. I actually did have a discussion with her yesterday about that very subject. <laughs> She's like, maybe, maybe don't start at 1 o'clock for kickoff. Maybe just wait till halftime. I'm surprised you start at kickoff. Where's the pregame tailgate? I mean, the science dictates that you should be You're drinking right. well before kickoff. Okay. Here is Dolly Parton covering the Four Non Blondes 1993 smash hit, What's Up? It's going to be on Dolly's upcoming album, Rockstar, which will be out in November. Tell me what you think. I think that's Four Non Blondes. I think that's Linda Perry singing with her there. Right. So it's kind of a duet almost, yeah. if anything. Not exactly a cover. Uh, are you okay? Several things. Are you okay with Dolly Parton's new rock star album coming out? Are you okay with the uh, Four Non Blondes cover there? I'm okay with all of it. Like, anytime Dolly Parton has covered a song, 
it might be a little different, but it hasn't been awful, right? Like, Dolly knows who she is, and this rock star album, even though she's doing various songs and covers, right? There are some rock songs, a lot of pop songs. She's not trying to be a rock singer. She's still singing it like Dolly Parton. So, yeah, man, I'm fine with this. It feels like we've been talking about this upcoming album from Dolly for like three years now. (laughs) Put the damn thing out already. And real quick, since we're on the subject. Uh, Dolly Parton, what are your thoughts on our traffic guy, Matt Bear? Well, I say we hire a couple of wranglers to go upstairs and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Thank you, Dolly Parton. Uh, just a little piece of trivia. I believe Dolly Parton covered the Collective Soul song Shine and won a Grammy for it. I remember interviewing the guys from Collective Soul. I go, wait a minute. You guys wrote the song. You performed the song. It's a big hit. But Dolly covers it, and she gets the Grammy? <laughs> She's got power. With the passing of Betty White, Dolly Parton is now America's sweetheart. She's the one, right? That's She's it. taken that mantle, and she's running with it. Okay. Country music star Morgan Wallen adding an Indianapolis tour date. His One Night at a Time tour coming to Lucas Oil April 4th, 2024. Are you okay with this? Yeah, I'm okay with this. I'm not a huge Morgan Wallen fan. I'm not that big into like modern country. I'm kind of a hick. I like the older stuff. Sure. sure. Uh, but this is about as big as it gets and this is going to be a big show. Now, did you see the announcement tweet that he put out? No. He's got Peyton Manning and Eli what? Manning in it and Peyton is dressed up like Morgan Wallen with a mullet wig on. <laughs> and oh, I'm watching it right now. <laughs> I tweeted this out <laughs> earlier at Hammer and Nigel and uh, it's pretty funny oh, I love actually. It. I love it. The thing about Morgan Wallen, man, is that they tried to cancel him because there was some video where he was drunk with his buddies and he said the N-word. Oh, my. Called one of his buddies that or something. And, you know, he got in trouble for a little while. I think radio stations stopped playing his music for a little while, but... That didn't last because he's one of the biggest artists in the country. Right, right. And Well, didn't he he get in trouble on SNL, too? Well, remember SNL during COVID, they had booked Morgan Wallen to be the musical guest. Right. He got busted being out at a bar without a mask on. Oh my goodness. And you know, Lauren Michaels and Saturday Night Live in New York City, I'm surprised they didn't execute him for that. And he had to put out this apology, which I hated. I'm not positive for COVID, but my actions this past weekend were pretty short-sighted and they have obviously affected my long-term goals and my dreams. I respect the show's decision, and I take ownership for this. I'd like to apologize to SNL. Never. To fans, That's to so stupid. People are insane. Opportunities, and I let them down. And on a more I'm not even really note, mad at Morgan Wallen. Growing up to do. You know, I think I've lost myself a little bit. I've tried to find joy in the wrong places, and I don't know. It's left me with no, less. Okay, I can't, I can't stand that hostage video anymore. Right, and that's what it apologize. was. So it was, he was out at a bar during COVID making out with some chick, and that's why he wasn't allowed to perform on Saturday Night Live. That's how insane this country is, or maybe even New York City was at that time. That's and, so stupid. And like I told Casey Daniels the other day when I went on with her and Rob, because she deleted a tweet because the That's Twitter right. mob came after her. Yeah. Never apologize to these people. You never capitulate because apologies are never enough, by the way. Never. Never enough. They'll keep coming after you and coming after you. 
My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Uh, go to the WIBC hotline and bring on Bill O'Reilly. BillOReilly.com, longtime iconic host of The Factor and best-selling author of The Killing Series. Uh, the new book uh, hits today, Killing the Witches. Bill, welcome back to the uh, Hammer and Nigel Show. How are you? Good. You guys doing all right out there? Yeah, we're doing fine. And you know the policy whenever you call this show, man. I mean, like, the floor is yours. Do you want to start with, you know, Biden's cratering numbers, the Democrats, the GOP debates, or do you want to start with the book? Wherever, man, it's yours. All right. How about I give you a uh, headline that's new? Okay. Oh, Ready wow. That? Yeah. Okay, so last night in Manhattan, I sat for a 60-minute interview with Tucker Carlson. Wow. It's going to be uh, broadcast tomorrow, Wednesday, 9 p.m., compete with the Republican debate. That's what Carlson does. Um, I'm telling you, it's pretty riveting. And, I can't uh, wait. We- we talk about uh, the cable news industry, network news industry, uh, Killing the Witches. It was interesting because it, Killing the Witches is really three books in one, and what really grabbed Carlson was the contemporary chapters on demonic possession yes. uh, of what is happening uh, now in the world. And, you know, there is a witch hunt in the United States. We don't hang people anymore. I mean, the media would if they could get away with it, but they are destroying people uh, based on nothing. And uh, Tucker Carl is very interested in that. And we chatted about it for a while. So um, I want everybody to go to BillOReilly.com, 9 p.m. Wednesday. All you got to do is go to my website. We'll have a big banner. You just click it on, and you'll be able to see the interview. Well, i tell you what. I, I sat down, um, and I just got a hold of the book. So I'm, I'm reading the book next to my 11-year-old on the couch last night. He's reading like his textbook for some homework, and and I'm you know I got through the prologue and I was immediately already like horrified, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and, and my 11 year old's like, Dad, what are you reading? And then I'm going, Oh, and this is a book about killing witches, the horror of the Salem, Massachusetts, and I didn't really couldn't articulate it properly into words how I should describe the book to an 11 year old. This is some heavy stuff, man, yes. and it's it's really. I mean, just tell me why you chose the Salem witch trial. And, and and what all we can expect when we read this book. Okay, number one, 11-year-olds, a little bit much for them, <laughs> no matter how I told precocious they are, because it's grisly. Um, and uh, this is the 13th Killing Book, is the best-selling nonfiction book series of all time in the world, and uh, it opens up American history. The first thing after you get by the witch being burned in Scotland, which is what you were referring to, and thank you for reading it, um, we put you on a Mayflower. And the 66-day voyage from England to Cape Cod and then on to Plymouth, it is horrifying. See, most people think, oh, the Mayflower Pilgrims, Thanksgiving, past the stuffing. No. <laughs> no. no. Um, and then we take you through the early days of the United States, which, of course, wasn't the United States. It was called the New World. And uh, how horrifying um, the situation was, whether it be the Native American Wars – 
or uh, the crazy clerics running around hanging people because they're possessed by the devil. That's what witchcraft is. Um, so I, it's, I told people, you know, in, on Halloween is a great Halloween book. Yes. But don't give it to the urchins in lieu of candy. You know, don't scare <laughs> them that much. Bill, Jason Hammer here. And you alluded to this a little bit earlier. We hear that phrase, witch hunt, a lot in pop culture vernacular now. Uh, even President Trump says it a lot. It's a witch hunt. It's a witch hunt. When you really think about what that means and really break down what happened in this country, the term, it's not even close to the original meaning here, right? This happened in our country. And when you read your book, it's a grisly breakdown of what happened. But the term, it feels like it's been watered down by media and politicians these days. You know what I'm saying? Yes, but I disagree with you a little bit. Um, so the cancel culture is in business to destroy people, to destroy their families, their lives, yeah. to make it uh, difficult for them to uh, to work. That's what the that's what the cancel culture is in business to do. We have a court system here. You commit a crime, you do something heinous, they'll haul you in criminally or civilly, they'll get punished. But the ideologues now, and almost entirely on the left, isn't that interesting? You don't see a lot of cancel culture going on on the right. They want to destroy people with whom they disagree. I mean, I can't tell you over 20 years at Fox News how many times I had to deal with organizations trying to destroy me and my family. It oh, was yeah. constant. And that's one of the things I talked to Tucker Carlson about because he had the same thing. Now, this is witch hunting. So they isolate you. And I give three other examples, no, four other examples at the end of the book of people who have had their whole lives destroyed um, and they didn't do anything. Just like the witches in Salem didn't do anything. I mean, these were not real witches. Here's something interesting. Salem, Massachusetts makes millions and millions of dollars today off the witches. When you go there, and it's about wow. 25 miles north of Boston, this big sign says, Welcome to Salem, Witch City. And there's a pedestrian mall, which is which there's a witch, and she'll read your palm or whatever she's doing, sell you a potion. And so we call them. And they wouldn't talk to us because we wanted to know if they felt guilty about making millions of dollars off the graves yeah. of these people who are buried 300 yards outside of town. <laughs> so That is nuts. It, right. It's real. That is nuts. And you but know what? The, the, the amount, ahead. I just swear, we can, we can move on after this. I don't want to get too deep. But I just like big picture the amount of death and destruction and uh, caused all in by the name, in the name of religion over the course yeah. of human history, Bill. I mean, I grew up in a Christian house. I think I think you're Catholic. I just, that's a big barrier for me in terms of my faith and my, my religion is just all the atrocities that have been committed throughout human history. Well, you and Benjamin Franklin have something in common, because Franklin was a young teenager in Boston and got involved with this witch stuff. He actually went to the head witch hunter's house, a man named Cotton Mather, and he brought that sensibility, just as you mentioned, to Philadelphia in the constitutional debate, because Patrick Henry and Roger Sherman, some of the other founders, wanted America to be a theocracy, a Christian nation. And Franklin led the charge, along with Jefferson and Madison, against that. And they won it. 
and we have all of that, that big brawl uh, in Killing the Witches. So, you know, this is a, it, it's a fun book to read, um, but you're going to learn an awful lot about American history. Bill O'Reilly, the new book, Killing the Witches, out today. Uh, pivot here just, to f- just, just for a few minutes here. Talk sure. about uh, the Democrats. Do they want Joe Biden to run next no. year? Is he done? Nobody wants Joe Biden to run except Jill. <laughs> Jill likes the perks. She likes the uh, big airplane. So who's it going to be then? Are they going to like? Well, uh, I mean, like they're they're not going to put another rich, elitist, entitled white guy up there, are they? I don't know. I mean, it's impossible to say. Uh, that's the panic in the Democratic Party. You see it in the Democratic press. You see it in the Washington Post and uh, on some of the television networks that prop up the Biden administration. They're starting to get really nervous. So Ted Cruz goes, launches last night and says, well, Michelle Obama, Michelle Obama. I've been saying this for a year, that that's the mm. only person who could uh, hold the presidency for the Democrats. And I've tried and tried and tried to get some kind of inside information about whether she's even interested, and I cannot do it. It's a total blackout. So other than her, there is no one else. No one. And you would pretty much see the presidency. Biden can't run again. I don't believe he will. I think he'll be out of there, you know, before the first primary start. By, wow. You know, they'll submit a letter. Is he has to resign for health reasons. He's not going to run again. Like LBJ. Same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But then who do they turn to? Um, And outside of Michelle, there really isn't anybody else. So, Bill, on the other side of the aisle, there's another GOP primary debate tomorrow. Donald Trump's not going to be there. He's going to be speaking, I believe, to the auto workers in Michigan. Is this a good strategy, you think, for Donald Trump to skip these debates? Sure. Why would he do it? He's so far out in front. And, you know, Chris Christie, if if Trump were to show up, would smear Trump and it would just devolve really quickly into a mud bath, which would do Donald Trump no good at all. The others, they're not going to do that. But Christie absolutely would do it. And that's why Trump doesn't go. And I, I'm just struggling to picture what a Trump uh, presidential run would look like next year with all the, you know, the possibility of him going to prison with all the indictments. I mean, it, it, is it possible for him to run a campaign and and become president of the United States with all this stuff going on in the background with him? Sure. Number one, he's not going to prison. None of the things he's charged with uh, dictate that, and the Supreme Court would never allow it anyway. Mm. So the worst-case scenario would be be in home confinement. And if you know anything about Mar-a-Lago, that's not a bad place to be in home <laughs> confinement. And he could run the country out of there. Uh, as far as his campaign, he's going to do the same thing. He's going to run around and tell people what they want to hear and what he wants to hear. It's not going to be anything new. Um, but the election is going to hinge on how bad things are in this country, and they're bad. Just the border alone disqualifies Joe Biden from re-election. Just that issue alone, one issue. And then he has to run against the grocery store and the gas station. And people aren't yeah. stupid. They know they're paying a lot more for essentials. And Biden go around, Bidenomics, oh, yeah, you know, he's, <laughs> come on. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, look, at this point, uh, your state, Indiana, it, it goes 60-40 Trump over Biden right now. Wow. 
Bill, what does Donald Trump have to do better uh, to resonate with some of these folks in swing states that may have voted for him in 16, voted against him in 2020? What can Donald Trump do to win some of these folks back in places like Wisconsin or Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona? Well, he's got to be a little less bombastic, and I think that's an impossible ask for Trump. I don't think he can be less bombastic, but if he could, if he would go maybe and get hypnotized um, (laughs) and just talk about issues, and here's what I did as compared to what Biden did, he'd skate right in. But it's not the election is this. And, you know, what good does that do? Your your people are your people. MAGA people are there. They're going to vote for you. You don't need to just keep doing this. Just highlight what you did in office. And ironically, you know, I did four uh, shows, big arena shows, uh, the history tour with Donald Trump. And he didn't mention the election once. It was all about history and what he did, how he did it, the successes, the failures, the personalities. Fascinating. And if he could bring that onto the campaign trail, I think he would win in a landslide. Bill O'Reilly, the uh, new book, Killing the Witches. And you, again, are on You're on Tucker Carlson's show, or you had him no, on no, your no. show? It's X twitter mm-hmm. okay yeah. okay that's where he operates but the easiest way to do this wednesday at nine is when it drops it'll be there for a week or so i guess just go to billoreilly.com with a giant banner and you put your little finger on the little click thing and bang <laughs> there it is O'Reilly and Carlson, you will not be bored. Yeah, I can't wait for this one. That's uh, that's going to be a good one. Killing the Witches out today. Bill O'Reilly, you're the best, and you're welcome back anytime. We love having you, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.